You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord it's good to be with you this morning. Glad that you're here with us, either in person or uh, online. Uh, those uh, online with us are seeing us, uh, especially from the back now. We've got a camera set up back there, so it's easier for them to see the speaker or the song leader and the screen behind us. Uh, if you haven't gotten to see it yet, uh, it's pretty cool. Picture in picture, so you can see the speaker and the screen at the same time. Uh, pretty neat. Glad that you're all with us today, and uh, hope that you're, you're doing well. Grateful for all who are able to be here in person. This does look like a little bit more than we've had uh, the last few weeks just from the, the preacher's perspective. Of course, preachers always see more people than are really there, right? Preacher counts are always a little high. We're optimists, and that's all right. In the year 60, so about 30 years or so after Jesus' crucifixion, the Apostle Paul was a prisoner. He was uh, a prisoner uh, under uh, the power of Rome, and he was being falsely accused by Jewish authorities of stirring up riots everywhere. Uh, it wasn't true, but that's what, that's what they said. Well, in Acts chapter 26, a hearing is held in which Paul presents his defense to uh, two high Roman officials, both serving under the emperor Nero. Uh, one official was the governor of Judea, Festus, under whose uh, authority Paul was being held. And uh, the other was Festus's guest, a uh, man named King Herod Agrippa II. Uh, he was the ruler of Galilee and some territory north and east of Galilee. He was only about maybe 30 years old or so, but had ruled for several years already. He started young, and he was uh, considered to be a very capable ruler. In the course of his defense, Paul tells these two officials the story of how he came to faith in Jesus. When we get to the end of his story, we'll pick it up midway. When we get to the end of his story, notice his conversation with these two officials. That's where our focus will be this morning. But let's, let's pick up in chapter 26, verse 12. Acts 26, verse 12. Paul is speaking. He says, On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road... I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. 
This is why, that is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice, that was the king's sister, and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Well, Paul's hearing goes well. Both rulers agree that Paul has done nothing wrong. They even say he could have been set free, except that since he appealed to Caesar, he has to go now to Rome and appear before Caesar or Caesar's representative. Well, Paul tells the king the story of how Jesus appeared to him in a vision during his journey to Damascus. That story is first told in Acts chapter 9. Paul's recounting it here. Governor Festus listens to the story, and then suddenly he just bursts out. He, he can't help himself. Paul, he thinks he's gone crazy. He's out of his mind. This story is just too bizarre for Festus. Apparently, the part about Jesus being the first to rise from the dead, he just couldn't comprehend that. That was not something that was taught in Greek and Roman religions. Not an idea he was familiar with. It's just too bizarre for him. But not for King Agrippa. King Agrippa knows Judaism well. He was already at this age considered an expert on all things Jewish. He knows about the rise of Christianity in the past 30 years. As Paul says, that didn't happen in a corner. He knows the stories of the things God has done as recorded in Scripture. And this story fits right in. And so Paul urges Agrippa to really think seriously about how Jesus fulfills the words of the prophets. He asks him, do you believe the prophets? King Agrippa sees where Paul is going with this, and he responds, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul's answer is the starting point for my message today. Short time or long, I pray that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Short time or long. Paul understands that people don't always come to faith quickly. Sometimes it takes a while. Short would be great, but Paul's ready for long. If that's what it takes to bring the king or anyone else gathered to listen to him, great or small, to become a follower of Jesus. Short time or long. 
As far as we know, King Agrippa never did come to faith in Jesus. We have more stories about him in the writings of Josephus, uh, a, a historian from the end of the first century, but none of them suggest that Agrippa ever became a Christian. But it may be that some others present for that hearing listened to what Paul said and did become Christians. I hope so. Short time or long? Been working on this lesson series, Lessons from a Virus. Uh, taking things that I've been thinking about in my own mind uh, as we've been learning how to cope with a pandemic and uh, seeing how some of those things connect with our lives as Christians and how we walk with God faithfully. Well, we've learned from this virus that some things in life just can't be fixed quickly. Some things just take a long time. When we had to shut our doors back in March because of the stay-at-home order, I thought, six, eight weeks, it's going to be rough, but then we'll be back together. I thought maybe a couple of months. Well, we got halfway into that, and it, it was pretty clear by that time that it's going to be longer than that. Maybe, I thought maybe a couple more months. We'll get back together in the summer. And we did just for one Sunday, some of us. Uh, but then we couldn't be together again for a while and looked like it'd be a couple more months. And it was frustrating. We've had to endure. And now we're back together, but the virus is still with us. Some of us are only able to meet with us online. Uh, others are here, but we're having to wear our masks and sit apart from each other. And there's a lot less hugging and shaking of hands than, uh, than there usually is. So we're having to be careful. May God give us relief. Some problems in life, and some wonderful opportunities, too, just take a long time and require endurance. Uh, some of you have raised teenagers. Uh, my wife and I are working on that right now. So far, so good, but pray for us. In life, you can take the short view or you can take the long view. And with teenagers on a bad day, the short view might say, I'm finished. I'm done with them. I'm giving them up for adoption if I can find any takers. How much can we pay someone, right? The long view says, I can make it through today for the greater purpose of helping this child become an adult somehow. And tomorrow is going to be better than today because they really are learning. They're growing. Short would be great, but the wise parent is ready for long if needed. Marriage. Many of you are married or have been married. The short view says, if I'm not happy today, I will never be happy in this relationship. And so I'm getting out while I can. The long view says, even if I'm not happy today at this moment, I am committed to making our marriage the best it can be for the long term. Short-term happiness would be great, but the wise spouse is focused on the long-term goal. And that's really true in any kind of friendship or relationship, isn't it? Not just marriage. Church life. The short view reacts to every problem that comes up as if it's of the greatest importance. Oh no, what are we going to do about this? And, and we might start to panic over every little thing. And if changes need to be made in the life of the church and we don't see that happen soon enough, then we quit and go somewhere else. That's the short view. But the long view reframes problems in terms of the church's long-term goals, especially the goal of helping us all grow to maturity in Christ as his body. And if the changes that are needed don't happen soon enough, we reassess and we try again, but we never, ever, ever give up. 
to fix everything in the short term and have a perfect church tomorrow would be great. But since our goal is helping each other receive eternal life, we look long-term. We see this principle throughout Scripture. Paul models it here in Acts 26. It shows up so much in Scripture because God himself looks long-term. And so do his people who follow him. So think about Jesus. Because, of course, we should always think about Jesus, right? He is our highest model. The image of God in human flesh. Think about Jesus. Jesus took the long view. At the cross, at the cross, the short view would have been for him to say to his father, get me down from here now. End this suffering. We, we sing this song. He could have called 10,000 angels based on what he said to, to Peter. I, I could call legions of angels to come and rescue me. But he didn't. He took the long view. And so in the garden, before he had even gone to the cross, he prayed to God, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Let's do short if we can, if it's possible. But if not, he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. He was ready for long if that's what God called him to. And God did. And he endured. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. You know, there was no joy at the cross. That was a horrific place, a horrific event. But for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. There was joy far off in the distance, in the future, the joy of bringing us reconciliation with God through Jesus' sacrifice. And for that long-term joy, Jesus gave his life. God himself has always taken the long view. We see that in his remarkable patience with us as he works to transform our lives. If God took the short view, he would give up on us because we can often be so slow to uh, put in place the changes that he wants to work within us. Sometimes we just miss it. Sometimes we resist, but he keeps working on us. But if he took the short view, he would, he would just finally give up and say, look, I'm not waiting for you. But 2 Peter 3 verse 9 reminds us that God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Just don't keep him waiting too long because as Peter reminds us in the same chapter, God will not be patient forever. Judgment is coming. But the reason God puts up with so much evil in the world for such a long time is because he's in this for the long haul. This effort to save us, to win us back to our creator. He takes the long view. God works with us long term because he loves us so much. He wants no one to perish. He wants everyone to be saved. And so he works with us and he works with us and he works with us. So as children of God and followers of Jesus, we too take the long view 
and endure. Why? Because we love God. And because we follow God. And this is the example that he's set for us. And we do this because we love and serve the people God has called us to bless. Paul is an example of this long-term perspective in Acts 26. Short time or long, he's praying that everyone listening to him that day will eventually become a follower of Jesus. Just like Paul is, just without the chains attached. Short time would be great, but Paul's ready if it takes a long time. If it takes a long time, that's okay with him as long as it happens. Think of how many people from ancient times in our faith we honor for their endurance, for the way they took the long view and hung in there through difficult, difficult times. Sometimes even when they couldn't see much improvement in the situation uh, that they were dealing with. Elijah the prophet, for example, for years he pushed back against wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. All their idolatry, all their corruption, all the evil that they brought into the nation of Israel. He pushed back on it again and again, trying against all odds to bring Israel back to faith. He had a little bit of success a couple of times. But his work took so long that when he left this life, he handed his work off to his successor, Elisha who spent the rest of his life continuing Elijah's work. The prophet Jeremiah, his ministry to Judah, the southern part of Israel, lasted at least 40 years, and in the end it seemed fruitless. The nation rejected God. It was destroyed by, his, by their enemies. The temple was burned to the ground. Judah lost everything because of their unfaithfulness to God. And even those who survived with whom uh, Jeremiah moved from place to place as they sought safety, even they turned away from God. And that's how Jeremiah's story ends, the best we can tell from his book. But Jeremiah had planted powerful seeds of faith among his people. So much so that even if he couldn't see it then, after his lifetime... His influence grew enormously, and he came to be honored highly by the Jewish people. And his prophecies were taken as part of Scripture, and we still read and learn from his prophecies today. Why did faithful people like Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Jesus, why did they take the long view? Well, because they loved God, and they followed God's own example, and they loved the people they served for God's kingdom. And so they never burned out. They never gave up. They probably wanted to sometimes. They never acted in a way that dishonored God, not when they were keeping their eyes focused on God. In spite of frustration, persecution, surely fear sometimes, they were always faithful. They endured. We take the long view because we love God and we follow his example and we love the people God has called us to serve. So we stay on track. We don't falter. We don't grow weary. Sometimes we grow weary, but God helps us. He picks us up again. We don't lose heart. We trust God. We walk with him 
faithfully. You know, right now, a lot of us, myself included, are suffering some uh, COVID fatigue. You may be as well. Uh, I know I have been. We wish for a quick end to the pandemic. Uh, we'd like to do without the masks. We'd like to do without the, having to stay at home a little extra. We'd, we'd like to just get back to normal. But we also recognize the need to keep acting wisely, keep taking care of each other the best we can until the pandemic really is done. In the same way, we need to stay faithful and focused and endure in regard to things that are far more important eternally than this virus. People and relationships and walking with God, things that have eternal value. Like Paul, I have several people that I consistently pray will follow Jesus. I pray that they'll follow him soon, but whether it's soon or not, I will hang in there and keep praying for them, even if it's going to be a long time yet. And you have people like that too. Do not stop praying for them. Short time or long, we want them to follow Jesus. And when I start experiencing prayer fatigue, I press on anyway. I ask God to give me strength again. Because I remember Jesus taught us to always pray and not give up. People who serve God, who follow his example, who follow the example of Jesus, who love others and serve them for Jesus' sake, who do so long-term, never give up on prayer. We never give up on prayer. And so we pray. And God helps us. Whether he says yes in the short term, whether he says wait, whether he says that's not the way we're going right now, we never give up on prayer. Because we know that God will lead us and he will help us. So like Paul with King Agrippa, I hope and I pray that the people that, that we pray for will come to Christ soon. But short time or long, we'll hang in there with each other and with God and with people who need Jesus. We take this as our perspective because God takes it as his perspective. He loves us so much that he works with us long term. No quick, easy fixes for God. He's been in this a long time. God is in the business of changing lives, and sometimes it's just a long, slow process. I know this because I can see how patient God has been with me over many years. Short time would be great, but we're ready for long if needed. Praying God would bless his church. Praying God would heal our community. Praying that God would bring one more person to faith in Jesus. Praying that God would continue and complete his work in me. Short time or long. God bless you. Let's pray together. Lord God, with this virus we're grappling with, with the struggles in our lives related to it and unrelated, with the people we're concerned for and the people that we're around from day to day, with the people we pray earnestly would come to follow Jesus. Lord, with ourselves, 
as you work within us, and sometimes we work with you and sometimes we push back against you, though we know that we shouldn't and we don't want to. Lord, in all of this, whether your will comes about and what is good comes about in a short time or in a long time, bless us with endurance. Bless us with endurance in prayer that we may pray and not give up just as Jesus taught us. Bless us with endurance and faithfulness that we may do what is good and right in your sight. Bless us with courage as we look to you in hope. Fill us with the, that, that joy that Jesus had even when he was on the cross, knowing the reward that you will bring to those who are faithful to you, knowing how you will uh, bless us, Lord, and how you will lift us up when we're weak. Lord, we thank you for all the work that you did in Jesus and for the example he set for us. Help us to just be like him. Help us to endure when things are hard. Help us to endure today. In Jesus' name, amen.